Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Something notable, indeed, and it is another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSL. I'm your host, Nikki Dakota, joined in the studio today by the storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers for every film since Raisin, Arizona, and friend to all the big stars, including us here at Filmically Perfect. He's J. Todd Anderson. Thank you for letting me be so affable. Also, on your radio left, it is the one, the only, the nitrate archivist at the Library of Congress, our man at the Library of Congress, and uh, the largest frame brain on the planet. He is George Willeman. George, welcome. Thank you for letting me be so huggable. (laughs) Watch, we'll squeeze Uh, as we listen to a choir of children in the background stop it (laughs) we have gathered together today to celebrate a movie that uh, in the film guy's opinion Ah. quite perfect indeed hey man we're here to tell you and we're setting the tone right now if you're not serious about making movies, you need to stay away from this. If you're not right. serious you about have, appreciating movies and really paying attention, no right, no business, no right movie. watching this. If you're film. not serious about no. movies, stay away from this. Do not darken our town. <laughs> <laughs> Stolen from Groucho. Yeah. Um, and no. we are, we are going to snob you on That's this right. movie. If oh. you don't like this movie, so ugh. we will wipe our nose on your brain. <laughs> Well, yes, with because that in this mind, is a perfect movie. It's Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter. Charles Lawton's only film only as a director. Directed with magnificent Robert Mitchum Woo! and Shelley Winter. Shelley Winter and the ever lovely and wonderful Lillian Gish. Lillian and Gish, people. Peter Graves, God rest his soul. He just died. Peter Graves, who died, he did just die. He also died early in this film and was a good father. Mm-hmm. Uh, good image of a father yeah, in. Yeah. Good uh, portrayal of a father. He was a thief. Very interesting confluence of things that, well, he was just trying to look after his family in the Depression. Looking after his family, yeah. And so Charles Lawton, who, uh, uh, an actor uh, heretofore, this was his only foray into uh, his only, first, only, last. And it was not critically, this movie was not uh, critically received or... Or financially uh, And it upset him. It upset him to the point where he said he was never, ever, ever going to direct again. And he He didn't. didn't. And that's too bad. Lost money, got some very bad reviews. George and I are thoroughly convinced that this is his fingerprint, man. This movie is Charles Lawton because the, the cinematographer did great work in this movie. We don't see anything. It's in, you know, dragged at, you know, don't, 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 but. What was the uh, music score? Yeah. 
there's nothing like this picture. Nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it for the first time uh, at your bidding, and I have to say, it uh, leaves quite a lasting, lingering impression. And to my eyes, I thought it was quite well done. I think well about done. this movie quite often. And quite if it, that's often. true, if I am actually, uh, if I have reached the rarefied air of movie snob, it was. It's only because of the tutelage of, I, of the I'm film actually, guys. I am actually very impressed that you enjoyed this film. I'm very pleased yeah. too, because it is such a special film to so many people well, you know, so many people have imitated it there's so many you know i know the guy uh, joel and ethan just appreciate this film and and there's so many people that really just appreciate this film and if you don't appreciate this film well, well we got a couple rules to lay on you <laughs> let's do that's it do. <laughs> according we're gonna slap you around us, that's what we're gonna, according, it is perfect right. and that's because hey, i'm telling you night of the hunter creates the world it exists in and man it wholly sustains that world like nobody's business and let me tell you something regardless <laughs> of changes in society night of the hunter retains this meaning and entertainment value and Night of the Hunter will never be placed <laughs> in any kind of preferential or numerical order. It is perfect in every single way. Thank you. <laughs> We're responding and to some bad press on the IMDb. There's horrible things these said about this. Obnoxious nobodies said that they didn't, oh, you know. Horrible, I just, horrible I just wanna, things are said wanna, about this movie. I just want to burn down the IMDb... Uh, 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 <laughs> Now, now we are normally speaking, so peaceful. Speaking, or the you know where the where the knuckle knuckle the draggers can put the commentaries the, uh, in. Yes, yeah. Well, and we just want to. You just challenge us, and you just send us letters. Yeah, because you know if we get, way, if we get time, guys. we might just read them. Film guys at perfectmovie.net. Film guys at perfectmovie. Yeah, you, you send us your hate letters net. on this film. You can <laughs> bring them on. <laughs> um, on that note, it's a it's it's a very troubling movie it's um there's a, a a lot of sort of there's a sinister cast to just virtually every thing oh man you know this movie the, the most important element is is as you know there's no comparison to god in an argument there's no comparison <laughs> and this 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 guy robert mitchum who's this evil minister this dichotomous bifurcated thinking minister represents what a lot of people, they, they think of God as them on their best day with superpowers. Right. And and, <laughs> right. and the, he, he just runs roughshod all over this picture with this, this I am God, I am not God. God's going to help me. God's going to bless me. And and it's very much like a, like a horror picture. They always have him as this big, tall element of sinister. Or old Frankenstein mm. monster, and he, dressed in black. And his greed and his lust for the money. Mm. Always God's going to help him get rich. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how that money comes into possession and, and where he feels that it's something that he can grab and, and wreck so many lives in the process. Right. Well, the story starts out with him, you know, heading on his way. He's just dispatched another poor soul. Um, he ends up getting caught and sent to jail where he um, is put in a cell with another prisoner played by Peter Graves. Um, who, you know, he kind of, well, because they're incarcerated together, they kind of become friends of and he learns about uh, uh, the the two children of of Peter Graves, and the fact that there's some money, some money that he had stolen that he's been put in jail for, is somewhere in the land uh, where where in, I mean, the in the lives of, of, his, family, of his, his family, his wife who's now at home, who because right. he, he killed a man in the process of stealing this money, so he's in right. So he's, he's going to die. He's, he's going to be jail. killed, mm-hmm. and the, and the children see him. Uh, see him arrested. Arrested, and it especially it especially affects the little boy, who who just 
cries out, you know, don't, don't, because they see him like uh, turning, putting his arms behind his back and hurting the father. And the little boy is just distraught by this. But he's also uh, affected by the fact that his father has told him not to ever tell. So he becomes this right. principled kind of kid who's a protagonist in this film with well, extremely strong. And will. we should say not to ever tell where the money is because yes. he knows and his little sister Pearl knows where the money is hidden. And they are respectively about eight and four, maybe nine and four years old. Little, little, little kids. Yeah. And and he, he says this, and he says, this is for you later in life, so you won't have to worry. Right. And, they, and he hides it. They both know where. No one else knows where. But this preacher man in jail decides that he can visit right. that Preacher man, Harry Powell, gets out of jail, and he heads for the little town where uh, Willa and the two little kids live. And this first little scene we're going to listen to is where he's come into the Spoon's ice cream parlor, which I think is kind of funny. The the woman's yeah. name is Icy Spoon, <laughs> and they run a little ice cream parlor in the town. And and Harry Powell has come in, told them that he was a cellmate of their father's, and makes this big gush about dad and everything like that. And how how fond he was how, of him, and how fond he was of him. And then you notice, we've begun to notice that he has letters tattooed on his fingers. And it's at this point where where Harry confronts little John about this. So he notices him looking. Yeah. Ah, little lad, you're staring at my fingers. Would you like me to tell you the little story of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends, the hand of love. Now watch and I'll show you the story of life. These fingers, dear hearts, is always a warring and a tugging, one again to other. Now watch them. Old brother left hand. Left hand hates a fighting. And it looks like love's a goner. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hot dog loves a winning. Yes, sirree. It's love that won. An old left hand hate is down for the count. I never heard it better told. I wish every soul in this community could get the benefit. Oh, you've just got to stay for our picnic Sunday. No, I must wend my way down river on the Lord's business. Hot dog loves a winning. <laughs> And again, just just to watch Mitchum do this, I mean, he he'd been a, you know a fairly good sized star for about you know, I don't know seven years now uh, since the end of World War II, and he is just again when you can tell when an actor gets a role that they just love and they just relish it and just every moment. Into it. And like I said, the sad thing as we've alluded to earlier is that people complain about him just overacting and ham acting. No, 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 no. This is a great actor the thing is, is doing a great could, role. He could do anything. It wasn't overdoing. He, when you say he's overdoing, he can do things that other actors couldn't do. So, and also I just want to point out that between us, we've decided that this is the first appearance of this love and, love hate, and hate on the knuckles you know like if you're gripping right. a uh, steering wheel or something the part of your hand that you would see pointing out love and you and see hate. it you see it brought in many films you know aped in other films even yeah. the blues brothers uh, with, with jake and elwood you know and <laughs> and it's, it's just it again it is a part it is something that is burned into our 
American cinema psyche. And I knew about that without knowing about the movie. Exactly. I love it. Anyways, anyways, okay, so now Harry's in town. He begins to uh, put the moves on Willa. Uh, the the, the widow. widow, and you know, because he knows that if he can get her, then he can find this money, the ten thousand dollars that that the father has hidden somewhere. Now the little boy just has no illusions that there's something wrong with this guy, and he even tells him a couple times when when he finds out that that Willa and and Harry are going to be married. You know, he's like, yeah, I'll be your daddy. He's like, You're not my daddy. So, um, the 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 two get married. Willa and and Harry Powell get married. And this next little uh, oh, you had say I was saying he was all nice, nice oh, up nice. to that he's point. So the nice, nicest nice. sugar. So they get married, and this next little audio clip is the the is loving the, uh, honeymoon, the honeymoon <laughs> yeah. night at <laughs> Harry and a, Willa's yeah, bedroom. This is the romantic part of the movie. Let's mm. enjoy the love nest. The love nest. Harry, I was praying. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I. I thought... You thought, Willa, that the moment you walked in that door, I'd start to paw on you in that abominable way that men are supposed to do on their wedding night. Ain't that right now? No, no, no. I think it's time we made one thing perfectly clear, Willa. Marriage, to me, represents a blending of two spirits in the sight of heaven. Get up, Willa. Harry, what... Get up. Now, go look at yourself yonder in that mirror. Do as I say. Look at yourself. What do you see, girl? You see the body of a woman, the temple of creation and motherhood. You see the flesh of Eve that man since Adam has profaned. That body was meant for begetting children. It was not meant for the lust of men. Do you want more children, Willa? I... No. It's the business of this marriage to man those two you have now. Not to beget more. Yes. All right, you can get in bed now. Stop shivering. Help me to get clean. So I can be what Harry wants me to be. You know, there's a, there's a scene in this vicinity in the movie where... Uh, Robert Mitchum has separated the kids uh, because he's trying to find out where the money is. And he's realized that the little boy is holding him up. So he takes the girl downstairs and it's completely from the outside of the house. You can hear him in there really being mean to this little girl. His true colors have kind of shown. He thinks he's. Yeah. And Shelley Winters is walking up the house, you know, and she hears all this. And then they cut inside the house and she walks in. And it's kind of up on like the throat force stair. You're looking down, and he intercepts her, and that's where Shelley Winters, that's where the money is in Shelley Winters because she projects how disturbed she is by what she hears, but at the same time she, she she loves a man, and she, she still just loves funny. him. Yeah, and in that one brief flash of acting, the whole tone. It this is where it gets better. It's set because nothing can be. Uh, hidden anymore and then she keeps wanting to get clean always mm-hmm. get clean because she doesn't want to believe what she hears mm-hmm. and we hear it too although you don't see it and again your imagination the work of Lawton just Charles Lawton's his ability to like his theater training and everything comes in in just this brief little section in the film well and then it comes probably one of the most famous or infamous scenes in the whole film where Harry basically dissolves the wedding <laughs> with Willa 
And it's just, a, I mean, sadly, being on radio, we can't show it to you, but it's this beautifully constructed scene of the bedroom with these walls going up, these big black areas. Oddly, and the, like the a manger scene. Roof coming to a peak, almost like a wild. chapel. It does Gothic. have a chapel. Gothic and, feel. And, and Will is laying on the bed, all in white, with white light, bathed in white light, looking like a saint, like a beatified saint. Arms crossed. And, and Harry, and, and you never see him actually do the deed, but he does this balletic move where he comes around toward her with his knife raised, Almost like, you know, just beautiful dance move. Mm-hmm. And and then it goes black. Now, one character I wanted to allude to here is a character played by James Gleason named Bertie, Bertie Steptoe, who lives on a little a boat on the river. He's so sweet. And he's, he's an old guy, and he befriends, he's a friend of the, the little boys, and they go out fishing. And shortly after the scene, he's out fishing. He hooks, um, he hooks his fish hook on something, and when he looks down in one of the most famous shots of the film... You see Willa's body with her throat cut ear to ear, sitting in the seat of a Model T Ford, and her and hair. And that is a very her hair is blowing in the in that is just imp- sort of had been the water. that little shot has been imitated so much through movies. It's There's, beautiful, you know. Yeah. It's death, and it's right. beautiful. And 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 he even says, "There she was under the water with her hair just floating." Yeah, yeah and he goes, he goes that slit in her throat just like she had an extra mouth. Yeah, Bertie Bertie oh reacts to this. I mean, he he knows. He feels that they're going to blame him for it. He gets he's blind. A he's a drinker. He gets blind, singing drunk. And the little boy finds out about this and realizes that he and Pearl are in big trouble. So they take off down the river, being chased by by Harry, of course. But not before. Don't they? Uh... Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm getting ahead of myself. The final, the final moment with them is, you know, now that they're alone with Harry, because mother's gone... And he is taunting them with food. He's starving them to try Eating to get this them. this whole big spread and yeah, making them watch. Spread. This so, is my, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie here. Go ahead of me. The both of you. Down those stairs. Now, where, boy? Where? Under the stone on the floor. This is concrete. John made a sin. John told a lie. The Lord's are talking to me now. He's saying, a liar is an abomination before mine eyes. Speak, boy, where's it hid? <laughs> Speak. Speak or I'll cut your throat and leave you to drip like a hog hung up in butchering time. Pearl, shut up, Pearl. You swore. You could save him, little bird. It's not my doll. It's not my doll. The doll. <laughs> Why, sure. <laughs> Last place anybody think to look. <laughs> One of the beautiful aspects of this movie is the narrative, which is is built so evenly. And then Charles Lawton takes you 
through this story and he knows where to break. Like after this, there's this incredible poem. It's I call it a visual poem where they're floating down the river homeless. And then they run into an angel who really saves them. Mm-hmm. As it's Lillian, beautiful. Lillian an angel Gish. saves them, basically. Oh, and, and it's just so beautiful to see her. And, and if, if you are familiar with her face, you realize who she is. So it's like there's a twofold uh, mm-hmm. satisfaction and, and, and feeling of comfort in seeing her. Because you've worried for these children. He's riding the horse alongside. They're just drifting down. And you can tell that her life and mission is all these wayward children. Because she we forgot to tell you, this is supposed to be in like the Depression era. Although it was made in 1955 is their idea of a period at that time mm-hmm. uh, to make this. <laughs> about 20 years earlier. Yeah, yeah, so. it's, yeah. Like, it's still like, you know, somewhat of a period piece. And then of the orphans and the kids that had no parents. And, and, the, and, the, and Lillian Gish is this person who takes all these wayward souls and and she comes face to face with her adversary who is very much just like her only the yang she's is he's the right. absolute opposite opposite yeah. of she's her. she's the true servant of god and he's the false servant and really beautiful little uh things in here like this owl attacking a, a bunny. cute little bunny and and then they're sitting there george pointed this out today where He's sitting in the front lawn, and they're singing together like the, the English and the Germans during World War One playing soccer, <laughs> you know? And then, <laughs> and then the little girl brings in a candle, and and, and, and... and she tells him to put the light out, and then when the light's out, he's gone. He's gone. Now, I forget what it was, though, that brought it to a head with... Uh, he started to go... Okay, so he came to the house, realized the children he comes were there. To the house, he comes to the house and tries to convince her that she, he is the boy's parents, and he's the kid's parents and father, excuse yes. me, and has been looking for him. Uh, but she's not fooled. And this is one of the uh, one of the uh, movies that really represent a strong woman. This didn't happen very often in the fifties. But here's this woman just standing her principles and making sure this old tomcat's not going to get in there and kill all the kittens. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she's sitting. I mean, the, the, when she's sitting on the porch, you know, cradling her her shotgun. And singing, Standing leaning, singing, singing, yeah. leaning on the everlasting oh, arms. Which crops up again and again and again. Yeah. And then, you know, he becomes a, something, and she gives something to him. She calls the police something, and something. something's in my barn. Well, it finally, <laughs> comes, shot it finally comes to a head where after after he's he's missing from the, uh, from the yard, uh, she has all the kids get in and go upstairs, and she finds out that he's inside. And she basically takes a shot at him, and he goes screaming across the yard like a wounded animal and hides in the barn. And a crazy scream. Oh, yeah. it's great. It's triple looped, you know, because it works so well. Yeah. So oh. Kind of like the Wilhelm, you know. So you yeah. play it. It, so it goes it, actually an exact it's replica the same three replica times. three times. Yeah. Oh, and then creepy. that's when she calls the police and tells them, send the men out because she's then, got something in her barn. A very similar situation to the beginning of the movie, which makes it really balanced. Uh, they take him away, very similar to Peter Gray's, and the kid breaks down and pulls all the money out. Well, spoiler oh. alert. Oh, yeah, he breaks out and pulls all the money out of that little thing. Ah! That, and then we all know, and it's blowing in the ah! wind. Because yes, John reacts to to Harry's being handcuffed and roughed up by the cops exactly, exactly like he does. And it's, it's the same shot. It fits wonderfully. Yeah. yeah. I got to tell you before we run out of time is one of my greatest privileges in the business. I work with Robert Mitchum. Oh my 
my first movie. And I've worked with a lot of stars, oh. and they're wonderful people. They're great people. But they become friends. But Robert Mitchum was a movie star, and he told me about this movie. I sat there. I got to sit there in a chair, and he said this is one of his favorite movies that he what did. What was the movie that you were working on? Uh, Thompson's Last Run. Okay. It was a TV movie. Um, uh, did he bring it up, or did you, you brought no, it up No, I brought it up. I had, yeah. He was very friendly to me. He's very nice. And I got to ask him about all those movies. Like, he liked Thunder Road. And that was one of his favorite movies he did with his son. I remember him in that. But I told him, I said, how much, I told him my sister and I used to say we couldn't understand how he could see through the slits in his eyes. (laughs) And he said, well, they all thought I was the ugliest man in show business until I always got the girl. (laughs) Very nice man. Just to this day, every time I see this film, I think, wow, he's the greatest actor, man. Yeah, there will never be a replacement for Mitchum. He was a one of a kind actor. Yeah, I thought he pulled it off. I had no problem at any time. I didn't find this to be, uh, unlike some uh, some comments and reviews, I didn't find it to be caricaturish. I found it to be a truly evil, frightening person that was well, deserved my disdain. And overall, the film is so unique. There is no other American film like it. It is a singular, a singular piece of work, and literally a singular piece of work. The only film that Charles Lawton directed. And the thing that's great about it is that not having been a film director and being a stage director, there are things he does in the film that are somewhat stage-created that work so well that they're film so directors effective. wouldn't try. Yeah, Some they will the f- because they're scared, you know, right. because they're scared of the brass. But there's a lot, man, and they're just showing you how to make a movie. Right, there, t- there are shots with huge areas of black in them. That yeah. a real, you know, an ordinary film director wouldn't even think of doing that. But Lawton wants a certain scene, like going down the stairs, basement, huge black up in the corner, the scene of, of murdering Willa in the bedroom with the cathedral setting, and it's all black on the sides. It's, it's almost as if it's almost as if he's doing a stage play with. 500 times the amount of sets you're allowed to have <laughs> instead of just four or five sets. And, you know, right, he's got like 500 sets in And there, the scene know? where the kids are going down the river in their little boat is extremely artificial. I mean, the, the setting along the river is very artificial, but it's okay because the film has such a dreamlike quality at times. And the little girl looks works. right into the camera and sings. And you know it's looped and dubbed, but it's too cool. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very sweet, and song and uh, the, and poetry sort of uh, uh, keep weaving back and forth. And in the very beginning, it, it opens the very first scene. It's like stars in the background, just their disembodied heads, and she's sort of telling them uh, about the. Uh, and that's great because the, we they set up the angel uh, aspect of this whole right. film with Lillian Gish, who is just tremendous. sort of life. Life is hard for the little things. You Which know. where have we heard that as a person? I'm not saying. I'll say it because <laughs> I'll tell you what I can basically if you. If you you hit play and I'm standing right there. I can go word for word through Raising Arizona, I didn't one say of that. my all-time favorite films. And as soon as I heard Lillian Gish, it was when the owl grabbed the rabbit and you sort of heard the screech and you knew what happened. She said, "It's a hard world for little things." Yep. And I'm like, that is one of the sweetest lines from Raising Arizona. Different context, but the same vibe. And they tapped yeah, into that. You people that badmouth this film, you keep that in mind, all right? <laughs> Plus another thing, and not to uh, pick on the brothers who I love, but um, th- she kept talking about the children who abide. That's right. I don't abide. think there's a they <laughs> no, okay, I'm just I'm just running with it at that yeah. point. But let's say that that yeah. speaks well for rule We're number burning three. Burning valuable time on the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> So we've been talking about Night of the Hunter, 1955, Charles Lawton's only film. And what a shame. I have to say that before you, uh, you know, read the, the comments, read the, read the re- other reviews and write it out, watch this movie. It is such, a, it, it's a kind of a, a, a tumultuous ride, but and it's a real beautifully payoff. shot. It's so pretty. Of course, in black and white. 
glorious black and white. Would have shunned color. One of the some of the greatest actors, and those two little kids are just sensational. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen, for turning me on to a fabulous movie yet once again. Thank you, George Williman. Lini. <laughs> Jay Todd. See you next time. Dumbo-ster. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.